Well, hello, friends. <laughs> Welcome to continuing coverage of the Masters on Tell Me Where to Turn. I'm your host, at Tommy2 underscore zero, and this is episode 192. And I will warn you now, this might be about golf. Man, the, the widest intro to the widest podcast about the <laughs> widest tournament that exists. Well done, though. Thank you. Oh, you can find me at Glenn three underscore eleven. We'll throw that in there too. That's probably a good idea. Yeah. And you can find me at Point Break underscore Dave. And uh, I believe I teased on Twitter that I had a lot of opinions on WrestleMania, but golf took priority over the show, and we didn't record. So now all those are basically worthless because it's been way too long. <laughs> I do want to touch on that because I'm here for Point Break Dave opinions on Mania. In fact, we could start there if you'd like. I mean, we won't go match by match. I thought, I guess, high level, night one, significantly better than night two. Would you say that was because of the way it played out with the freak injuries, or do you think all things being equal, it was still a superior night? I think all things being equal is a superior night. Like, honestly, and definitely correct me if I'm wrong because I don't have the card in front of me, but night one obviously started Theory Cena, which was great. Uh, The four-way tag match was as good as it could have been given the situation. Like, it was quick. They did a few high spots, got out of there. Um, was Logan Paul night one? Yeah. That yes. was great. Um, what was the other big match on night one? Uh, well, we had the tag match, the Zane Owens. That was the main yeah, event. Was the main event. Was the main. Ripley and Flair. Oh, we had the Charlotte, Charlotte, Charlotte Rhea. Rhea. Yeah. Which was phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, that was perfect. And then, yeah, the tag match was great. I mean, Honestly, you take night one, tack on the main, the night two main event, the Roman Cody main event, and that's standalone one of the better manias in the history. But, yeah, night two was just, I mean, there was all right. You know, I mean, the Hell in the Cell was considering what happened to Finn Balor was pretty good. Yeah, it cut a little short. You guys, I th- sent you guys the picture of his head, right? Yeah. That was unbelievable right. that that happened. F- 14 staples, I think is what it said. Yeah. I'll tell you this. Two of the worst, like, just being busted open. I mean, that Finn Balor was one of them. And then the other one was a... What was his first name? Mercury. When it was Johnny Nitro and uh, something Mercury were a tag team. And he's digging deep. He got, dude. I'll I'll pull up. I'll send you guys here in a second. I'll send you. Like it was worse than what happened to Balor, but it was another ladder match, man. Those things. But did are, they let uh, it continue this time? Because I feel like a lot of criticism the WWE got, which I think in hindsight it sounds pretty stupid, was. Well, they didn't show it, and they stopped the match, and it's a hell in a cell. And I think the referee knew the severity of the injury. 
and you can't really let that continue, especially with that that kind of an injury. But the crowd was was kind of booing, and the it just kind of hurt the whole vibe of the match. And they've got to figure out something better because my you know my criticism of night two is when Finn got hurt and when Shane got hurt, they. They, I mean, Cornette said this, but I totally agree. They got to do wide shots, something different than just the tight shot on the guy that's not hurt, because they have no idea what to do. And that is like the that is like the worst position. I mean, it's like being you know thrown up on stage to give a presentation and you your slides don't work or you don't know you know you 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 get called at the wrong time. You don't know you were talking about. I mean, you know, Edge was was just frantically like pacing around the ring, and then he started throwing stuff out from under the ring and wasting time and it just it just really it just feel like from a from a production standpoint could have been handled differently so that you're not you're not making it seem so awkward slash we don't know what we're doing yeah i agree with that well i think it's two years in a row they kind of structured night one had a whole lot more to it overall and night two is essentially here's some stuff and you've got this huge main event, and that's what you're really here for. Because that that was the same same last year. I mean, when we went on night two and had the floor seats, what did we see? We saw a tag match that was pretty good. Uh, we saw Edge in a match that was kind of okay at best. And then there was the main event. And that was kind of it. I guess we also had Johnny Knoxville put Sami Zayn in a mousetrap and pin him. That was pretty cool. But That was pretty great. Now, did anybody beat up a bottle of Prime Energy Drink, or was that was that this year? That only happened this year. That was this also, year. Also great. All right, so here's like I said, we're not gonna go too in depth because we have to talk about golf. <laughs> but um, I was really surprised, and of course, you never know. Like, is it the vocal minority? I was surprised that how wrestling Twitter lost their minds about Roman going over. Cause we all talked about it and we're like, man, they won't do it, but we think that's the best way to keep things going yeah. forward. And I still do. I think they did I the right too. thing. I'm not I backing down from do. that stance. You can't give people every year, the WrestleMania happy ending both nights Sorry, that's all I could come up with. Um, probably a better way to phrase that. Um, or or it loses, its, it cheapens it. I think sometimes you just have to frustrate people, and I don't even know that this frustrated everybody, but I think sometimes, yeah, the heel get one, gets one over. The guy sneaks back in with the hoodie and delivers the spike, and that's the way it shakes out. And, and I think the way they set up the finish was great because when he was doing the Cody Cutters at the very end after all the false finishes, which I bid on a few, I was like, here it is. This is it. Like, this is the final beatdown. He's going to deliver his finish, you know, three times. And then when it didn't happen, I, w- I thought it was great. And everybody hated it. And I-, I don't understand why. I thought it was a great ending. I also like how pre-match, when he, when Cody came out and, he, you know, had his wife and his family there, and then he gives, you know, Brody Lee's kid. I was like, oh, I mean, there's no way he's not losing. I mean, this is as baby right. face as it gets. And then he gets in there and <laughs> takes the pin. It was amazing. Yeah. I and until you see Sokoa sneak back out there 
at that moment, that was the first time it ever crossed my mind that they were going to have Roman win. Before that, I was just, this is, it's good for show. It's got to be a really extended long match, you know, huge main event, but I know what's going to happen. And then you see him sneak out there, and then that's when I was on my feet. And I was, by the time they counted one, two, three, and Roman won, I was literally jumping up and down <laughs> in celebration. It was great. It, it's, I don't think it's as good as McIntyre winning the Rumble, but I think it's second. No, I, it was, yeah, it was, it was what they should have done. Cause I mean, we've already talked about it, but if Cody goes out and wins, you know, where do you go? Like it's, it's yeah, kind of over. I mean, yeah. Cody versus the Miz. I could have played a part in it. The fact that they don't have anybody. And obviously we're now, running now Lesnar through there again, but I guess they don't have anybody else coming back to feud with him because we talked about Orton, but I don't know. I still don't know if he's healthy or not. Matt Riddle's back. <laughs> oh yeah. Let's get him, put the I, rocket ship on him, or let's get, get I, we didn't we say Gunther? Come on, let's do it. Eventually we'll get there. So I'm just anxious to see how long they stretch this out for is this just going um through the summer or are we talking april of 2024 before we finally get rains against roads again i think it'd sell tickets again yeah for me yeah and here's here's my final thought on this and i i'm interested to see if you guys agree and i will i will argue anyone that says Roman going over was the wrong decision. So wait a minute. You want to see if we agree, but then you're also warning us if we disagree, you're going to fight us. So this this is not going well. No. I was more talking about wrestling Twitter. Um, Here's the thing about the... We've all discussed in depth that the Bloodline storyline is the best thing they have going. It's been, you know, a year plus in the making. Cody... Like, Cody wasn't really in the story. Like, his part of the story was, I won the Rumble, you're the only champion. Mm -hmm. Like, that was really it. And then they, you know, they did some good promos. They brought in, you know, the Dusty trained Roman. They did some cool stuff to kind of build it up. But he wasn't the right guy at that time because he was just too new to the story, I think. But No, that makes sense. Because even his, he was out for a while and he battled back from an injury, but it wasn't an injury from a match or from a storyline. He injured himself like bench pressing outside of the ring. Which is going to be what takes Point Break Dave out. Either that or the 72 ounces of beer. One of the two. (laughs) When he he has a 12-pack of Dos Equis fall on him while he's bench pressing. And then and then he comes back and they put him spot thirty in the rumble so he doesn't have to you know has to be out there like ten minutes. Just a couple yeah. of scatter shot observations for me. One, I love that they let Gunther keep the bell because we you know I think we talked about it. it'd be really easy to get it off of him yeah. without him looking was that, bad. Was that night two? Because that match was awesome, but I can't yes, remember which it was night, night two. Was. And they beat each other up. 
They yeah. laid it in. Uh, Cornette had a really funny idea, which I wish I would have thought of. So there, there is a, there's a famous WWE record, which is the Honky Tonk Man. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with his work? He's the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time. Well, Gunther's getting at least in the conversation of breaking his streak now that he's retained the belt through this, uh, this you know, potential roadblock. So the thought was, well, hey, at this point, he's come this far. Let's go ahead and have him break the streak. And then on whatever the Raw is, after he breaks the streak, have the present-day honky-tonk man come out and challenge him to a match. And Gunther accept and then just chop him one time and the hockey talk me and like, nah, it's all right. And just leave. And <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So, yeah, I, think I, I, I could get behind that booking. Um, a couple other observations. I thought the Bianca match versus Asuka and I love both of them just felt really disjointed and sloppy. I mean, it just seemed like they were never on the same page. And I think when you line that up against Charlotte and Rhea, who were so good, and the match was so smooth and believable, uh, that one really disappointed me. Um, the la- you know, uh, other observation, <laughs> there's nobody in wrestling better at kicking out than at two and seven-eighths in Roman. I mean, he doesn't look at the ref. He doesn't open his eye. He just, I mean, and he doesn't sell it at all. It's just completely limp. It's over. The, sh- the shoulders up. Uh, I don't know how he does it, but he's the best. I mean, he could teach the master class at that. No, I agree with that. And here's an opinion that'll get me yelled at. Asuka has never, in my opinion, had a good primetime match, like a pay-per-view match. Even when they built her and Becky, like all the matches with her have always been underwhelming. And she's very good. But she just doesn't deliver in the spotlight, I feel like. The only match I might disagree with that is the original undefeated streak lost to Charlotte at Mania. I felt like was a pretty good match. I, I, but I, I, other than that, yes. I think she's not delivered on the big stage. I think that's a fair comment. But I do feel like the match where, and again, I, I think that's another example why the crowd has turned on Charlotte like they have on Roman over the years, is that was another time when everybody was sure – she was going to win, and lo and behold, Vince just says, nope, pal. Char- nobody's going over Charlotte at Mania. I don't care who it is. <laughs> I was at that Mania. I saw that live. Me and Muscle Matt. In Virgil. In Virgil. Not, <laughs> not doing well. <laughs> well, speaking of seeing it live, gentlemen, this weekend, if you needed to find me, First, it would have been very hard because my phone was not with me. Because mm. I was in Augusta National. I got the opportunity of a lifetime to attend the Masters on CBS. I think we need to start with how did you get that? How did you pull that off? Yeah, so that's a good place to start. Do you guys know the how masters ticketing works are you do you have a general working idea of of that because there's no general public sale of these tickets you have what's called a badge which is a full four-day pass and those tickets were purchased decades ago and retained renewed annually by the people that hold them and what happens is there's a waiting list for badges and then when somebody either 
for whatever reason doesn't renew their tickets, which never happens, or dies, the tickets go back in the person on the waiting list gets them. Well, the waiting list is so long that they haven't even allowed people to add their names to the waiting list for over a decade. So the people that are getting badges now have been on the waiting list for 15, 20 years waiting to get a badge. So that way is pretty much unobtainable. The Masters does well, not stand for... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say it's unattainable if you're not willing to kill a bunch of current people that hold badges. I mean, then you get on the waiting list and That's free right. some up. Which, yes... I mean, do you have the will to win or, or yeah. not? If you might have to make a visit down to the Texas Motorplex to the fuel station. Is it unattainable if you are Virgil? How, how's that factor <laughs> in? We'll get there. Okay. But, but yes, it definitely is. The, uh, the Masters is very strict about secondary market sales of their tickets. So you can't find them on StubHub. You can't find them on Ticketmaster Marketplace. If you try to list the tickets on the secondary market, they just get confiscated and then they go back into the waiting list. So the threat of people that have the badge, like the threat of losing losing that privilege looms over you at all aspects of the Masters. They have all their rules. If you break their rules, if you get in, you know, you, you get in a fight, you yell, you run, you do any of these things, you lose your, your tickets. So everybody's on their best behavior. So the way the way that you get them is you either find a way to, to broker a transaction with a badge holder off the radar, not, not something on, that they could pick up on, or you know a badge holder, or you go in what's called the ticket lottery. So they do a lottery for tickets every year. Anybody with an email address can enter, and I've been entering it for as long as I've been interested in golf, so you know, the last 10 years or so. Never sniffed it. Never know anybody that has. They say that basically the odds are one in several hundred of getting a one-day ticket through the lottery. But I can't say that I've ever actually met anyone. I've met a person that got tickets to a practice round, but never one of the main four days. One in several hundred? Yeah. That doesn't seem like bad odds. No, it doesn't seem like bad odds. But, again, that's what they say the odds are. I've never heard of anybody winning it. So... You know, again, I think that's one of those things where, yeah, maybe that's the published narrative. And if anybody that's listening to the show has or knows somebody that won one, that's definitely a uh, don't reach out to me on Twitter because I won't hear it. But reach out to the show Twitter account uh, and let us know, because, um, you know, I'm, I'm in a fairly, you know, decent sized golf group and we all register for the lottery for all five or, you know, all the practice rounds, and everything. Nobody's ever won. Hmm. So this is where my friend Jimmy comes into play. So he's a guy I golf with here locally. And uh, if you don't know Jimmy, he was recently a contestant on Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> well, that clears it up. Fact. Yeah. <laughs> so go back and watch episodes with Jimmy. He actually won his episode. Won oh, a yeah? Trip to uh, Puerto Rico. Oh, wow. He have he have the South Park. <laughs> why? Why was I was thinking the exact same thing? Would you Would you be shocked to know that I had to enlighten Jimmy about that clip? <laughs> I had to say, "Well, you can do, don't do the South Park." He's like, "I don't know what that means," and I said, "Oh, stand by. Let me send you a clip. send link." Wow. Yeah. 
So, so Jimmy works with somebody whose father has been a 30 or 40 year badge holder. And this particular man is in failing health. I think he's in his late 80s and was not going to make the trip this year. And he told his daughter and he said, hey, I don't want to sell the tickets. I want you to give these to somebody you know that loves golf. And I want to make somebody's bucket list dream come true this year and give them the tickets to the Masters for free. And she works with Jimmy and knows Jimmy loves golf. And Jimmy knows me. Wow. So now I'm going to the Masters. Now we didn't we what we ended up doing is is there were several people um in Jimmy's network that all love golf. So we took Friday and Thursday and Friday and then we gave the badges to two other guys to go Saturday and Sunday. So we didn't squat on the whole weekend. We we split it up between so four of us could go. And then it starts the uh unbelievable task of finding accommodations anywhere near Augusta. So do you guys understand that this is also a big issue? Yeah, I understand there's not... The infrastructure is right. not there for... Yeah, there's not a lot around... 100,000 people descending on your city. It's a lot like Bristol, for a comparison no one's yes. ever made before. <laughs> it's actually a perfect comparison. So we yes. were getting recommendations on places to find hotels, and they were literally two hours away from the course. So you were thinking, man, we're going to have to get up it you know, 4, 4.30 in the morning, hit the road. Well, then, much like Bristol and Point Break Dave, I'm like, hey, let's see what Airbnb has to find. Lo and behold, about 20 minutes outside of Augusta, we find a very beaten down duplex. It was nothing fancy, and it was clear that whoever lived here, they don't Airbnb this property regularly. Like, their home office, all the computer monitors were still on the desk with just the cords dangling down because they like f hastily like unplugged their hardware <laughs> and got out. Uh, there was no like soap in the bathroom. There was no shampoo. Uh, they just they just basically said, "Hey, Yolo, let's list our you know 500 square foot duplex for 1500 a night and see if anybody pays it." And we were more than happy to <laughs> pay it to be your music hit. <laughs> RK bros were yeah. there in a, in a hurry. <laughs> they put 1500 a night, and then they hear there's more than one royal family. <laughs> <laughs> but much like going to Vegas, the room was certainly secondary on this yeah. trip because we spent the majority of our time at Augusta National. So we, uh, we left Nashville Thursday or Wednesday night. We stayed in Atlanta so that we would be a little bit closer because we couldn't check into the Airbnb till Thursday. Did you and we drive? were going to the yeah we drove so it's about a it's about a five and a half hour total drive and it's a little it's about an hour and 45 minutes from atlanta and that was the closest place we could stay and easily get a room like any closer to augusta than that the pre the room rates were terrible so the plan was drive to atlanta stay the night get up really early thursday and then be at the golf course when the sun's coming up uh so that we can we can maximize our our trip to augusta now, there's a show tie-in of where we stayed in Atlanta that's going to make Glenn very happy. So do you remember when we were in Houston, the restaurant that we went to about six times? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Glenn's, Glenn's on a podcast, but he's no longer talking because he's eating. He's eating yes. n after 9 p.m. Have some control. Goodness. Sa says the seven beer guy. Whataburger showed up about 15 minutes ago, so... 
can't wait. Um, well, they don't have a Biggio's. Did you eat it? Jeff Blouser's <laughs> restaurant. Are you familiar? Are you familiar with the fine work of one Dale Murphy? Oh, of course. We ate at Murph's. Oh, wow. Right by the new Brave Stadium, Truist Park on the uh, north side of town. We could actually almost see the park. We could see the ballpark from our car when we parked in the parking lot of Murph's. And I was thinking, Glenn somewhere is just holding up the number one that I'm eating at a former baseball-themed restaurant in his hometown. The great so Dale this Murphy. Was, this was a Wednesday, Wednesday, Tuesday. This is Wednesday, and I, actually, it was the night before the Braves opened uh, their season at home. Was, so, if we'd have timed this just slightly better, well, I'm just trying to think. Over. I'm trying to think back. That Wednesday, I can't think of a NBA legend that died on that shockingly <laughs> died on that Wednesday. <laughs> I don't think it's, that correlates with every that. time you see a yeah. former major leaguer. Or go to their restaurant. The restaurant business. Yeah, that an NBA oh. player falls out of the sky. But I got to say, the uh, the uh, Bacon Ranch cheeseburger, pretty good at Murph's. Okay. They had some chips back there. Everything was good. Yeah. Well, queso? So, maybe a draft beer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I... Uh, I've kind of taken the Dave route, though. I'm now I'm now the guy that orders Manhattans everywhere. Is that, is, that a, is that a big departure? And now Dave's drinking seven beers. Like, what's happened? We've switched bodies. Oh, no, I'll still have a, I'll still have a Manhattan on you. Don't I've worry. Had a, I've had a couple of uh, – I've been really fortunate this week. I've been at two different steakhouses, and it's only Wednesday, and I've had m- several Manhattans. And at $19 a pop, it's not the best, uh, best financial investment, but, boy, they're, they're tasty. Man, you've been to two – Early half of the week on your own dime? What in the world are you oh, doing? Oh, actually, one of them was on my dime. The other was certainly not. <laughs> I, I would argue. I would. I would venture that the uh, the tab where I was last night was probably five figures. Oh boy! Oh my! How many people? I think thirteen. Still, that's that's. But there was there was the um, let's take two of every appetizer. Mm. Two of every dessert. Everybody got the upgraded to the Wagyu beef. Three expensive bottles of wine and a lot of Manhattans. I, I think he got there. I mean, the the steaks were, I think, just under a hundred dollars a piece. Uh, it, it probably happened. Hey, well, that's only one way to go. It's full throttle. Now, if you're drinking Manhattans and eating at steakhouses multiple times a week, or do you have the scale in the house that you're stepping back on? I checked it this morning, and there's about a uh, a five point move. Okay, favorable. That'll it's happen. It's moving in the opposite direction of the stock market. If that's what you're asking. Okay, it'll sneak up on you when you're when you're drinking your meals. It'll sneak up on you yeah. real quick. Speaking of, of physical appearance, can you guys tell anything different about me? I've I've begun to use just for men for, <laughs> for beards. Is that right? So the plan was to use it to get rid of this gray, and what it instead did is didn't touch this gray and then made everything else extremely darker. Yeah, it's full NWO Hogan. <laughs> yeah, I, I look like Hollywood Hogan, except <laughs> the part that I was trying to deal with, nothing changed at all. 
<laughs> it caused me to do some internet research, and apparently this is a very common thing with a real crap product like just for men. Might have just done that before beforehand, for the chin was going to no-sell <laughs> no sell the whole bit. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, brother. <laughs> the, the, the chin Goldberg. Yeah, the, the chin definitely was the Goldberg in this. So tell, I mean... So Going to the tournament, what's what's security like? Because I figured this is uh, this is like an airport lockdown type situation. It is. So they send you, they send you, um, or Jimmy got it, but they send you a list of rules, and it's it's unbelievably dense. But the high points are you cannot bring a phone, a camera, anything electronic with you. Now you can wear a digital watch. But they literally say if they catch you using it to communicate, you're kicked out of the tournament. So, I mean, I'm not bringing my Apple Watch. I'm bringing nothing uh, except my wallet. They don't accept cash. It's credit only. You can, uh, you can bring a chair, but only if it's like a chair in a bag, but only if it's the master's branded chair. And it's a very specific dimension. It was set up here, I guess, um, the woman that lives here has got tired of seeing it i was sitting in it um which i'll get to in a minute um and when you walk up there are uh there are big security presence got uh, machine guns dogs like lots of do- like guys with dogs i think they're like you know probably more on the bombs than the drugs i don't think drugs is a big problem at the masters but they're probably like the explosive dogs you go through airport style metal detectors they have a, a, a ticket validation because the ticket has to, you know, go through and actually, like, electronically scan. Even though it's just, like, a, a plastic badge, it has, you know, some kind of RFID in it to verify it's legitimate. Um, Jimmy had let – we leave our phones in the car. Jimmy had absentmindedly just left his AirPods in the case in his pocket. So he had no watch, no phone, and they wouldn't let him bring the AirPods in. They, they said you can go – they have a little place you can check your electronics if you get all the way to the gate because it's a good – half mile walk from the car. I mean, it was like Circuit of the Americas walk up there. So Jimmy had to, ch- we had to like, leave, or he had to leave the line and check his AirPods. Well, what's, what's interesting about this that you don't think about, well, there's a lot of things you don't think about, but the number one is we're, we're going into this vast space and it's just he and I, and we have no way to get in touch with each other. So we can't ever leave each other without a plan because if we get separated, we'll never find each other. I mean, it's a golf course, you know, with, 50,000 people or whatever they let in there. So it was literally like, hey, I've got to go to the bathroom. Don't you leave until I get back. I mean, you know, or I'm going to go get a beer. Don't leave till I get back because if we got separated, then we're kind of screwed. And Jimmy has the keys to the car and our phones are there and you're out of luck. So it was it was a little bit early on. It's a little bit disconcerting. So we get through security. Real real quick. I, I got a question. Hey, I mean, I watch some of the Masters, but I'm not near as into it as you are. I always thought the no phone thing was purely like a image thing, like the gallery. Oh, yeah. and it, it, it is, is cool, like the gallery not just watching what's in front of them instead of holding up phones. It is a good look. It's very, whatever, classy. I don't understand the... Like you can't have an Apple Watch and communicate. I don't. I don't understand that part of it. I think it's just the masters flexing, honestly. Because when you when you get into their rules, they you know their one of their rules is no running. So like when they open the gate first thing in the morning, you can't run to 
you know, the 18th green and put your chair down. And well, I mean, they, in, they have, you can't yell, you, you know, they, there's just, they have these rules and one of them's real anti-digital. I mean, in their defense though, I mean, there's really, there's no reason to run. Like there's never like a huge tree like falling on you there. You'd have to like All right. scamper out of the way. Well, if you had 32 minutes at the over-under, we have hit. So check your tickets to see if you won your bet. But there's Did you or Jimmy push the tree over? <laughs> we get into Jimmy's day because he might have. The, um, the Masters is completely devoid of anything digital. They don't have any TVs. They don't have any big screens. Even the scoreboards are manual. Everything is masters branded there's no corporate signage at all so there's no sponsors like they give you a really nice booklet of all the past champions a map of the course there's not a logo on it i mean there's no brought to you by gmc nothing everything is is their rules when you go to buy food at the masters they don't have anything branded it says cola diet cola domestic beer light domestic beer it doesn't even say what it is so there wasn't like a screen in the bunker next to the 16th green with cinnamon toast crunch dancing around or tiger didn't have to fist bump cinnamon toast crunch when he was coming up to the team is that what you're saying the um the uh the one of their bits is the food prices are the same that they've been for like the last 30 years so you go there and if you want to get a pimento cheese sandwich it's a dollar 50 and a, a soft drink is a dollar and a beer is five dollars and Every beer you buy, you get a green souvenir cup. And uh, when you see how much the souvenirs cost, the beer souvenir sounds pretty, pretty yeah. good. Was there was there anyone you saw walking out of the concessions with like 12 pimento cheese sandwiches just because they're so cheap? Because I feel like, I don't know that if I'd go 12, good. but I think I would be like, I can get five of those real quick. Jimmy became quite fond of the egg salad sandwich. Uh-oh, that can so, lead to some side effects, though. Yeah, so Jimmy is what we might call a man of some size. And uh, Jimmy's not, he's probably not getting up at 5.30 to go lift. <laughs> and uh, Jimmy also has um, plantar fasciitis. And let's just put it this way. Augusta went over, Augusta National went over on Jimmy on day one. <laughs> And uh, there was a point in time when he was walking so slow that I think if he was walking any slower, he would have actually not been moving. He would have just been standing. <coughs> and uh, I kept looking back at him, and I was like, Jimmy, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I just I need a minute to catch my breath. And, uh, and then I started thinking. I was like, well, let's kind of run down Jimmy's day here. So we got up at 5, and he drank a 48-ounce Diet Coke for breakfast. Then he ate. Eight egg salad sandwiches, three more <laughs> Diet Cokes, no water, and it's pretty hot. I mean, it's, you know, upper 80s and humid, and we're walking. We probably walked 20,000 steps. I'm like, yeah, it all checks out. Yeah. Goodness. Those egg salad sandwiches was just stuck, just lodged, like, in the ventricles of his heart at the time. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Jimmy told me uh, that he also <laughs> suffers from Crohn's disease. So. Good were you ever thinking of all the people i could have a connection to to get free masters tickets i have to get the most unhealthy person on earth 
I, I really thought we were going to be visiting the Washington Nationals medical tent <laughs> that day. Well, well, they can't help you. They don't even give you Gatorade there. So I, I do want to back up and say one thing. So when we first walked in through security and you go around, like, so everything's very controlled into this entrance, and you go around and you, you get your first look at Augusta and you see the clubhouse in the distance, and then on the left is the whole practice area. And we're walking down, and I mean, it's it's like a goosebump-worthy moment. I mean, you're there, and it is as beautiful as you can imagine. Everything is green. I never, I mean, no exaggeration, like, I never saw a bug the whole time we were there. Not a fly, not a mosquito, not an ant, not nothing that was discolored. Everything was perfect. Well, we're walking up, and, and I look to my left in the practice area, and I'm like, Tiger Woods is standing right there. And he's just standing in one of the practice bunkers, just, you know, he's got a, you know, big pile of balls down there and he's working on something so we just walk right up to the rope and i mean it's from here you know from here to you know 10 feet away and just stood there like first thing in the morning before anybody's teed off and just watched tiger woods hit bunker shots at augusta national i thought you know like this has to be a dream like you know pinch yourself this can't be real life it's pretty awesome give him a few pointers (laughs) dude i got got imagine there's a dollar bill and you're trying to scoop the whole I got up and down today um, in a very key moment. Mm. I played nine after work today. I shot one over. Pretty and my, my putt on 18 for even par stopped on the lip. Sometimes that's your best decision. Just go ahead and stop. <laughs> <laughs> so the first day we did a lot of walking, and I think we did a lot of Augusta wrong. So what you need to do is, if you ever go, you need to buy the little green Augusta chair as soon as you get there, which we didn't do because the line was long. And then you need to go put that down somewhere you want to sit and leave it there because they're, again, another Augusta gimmick is you buy their chair, they write your name on the back of it, and they have places everywhere, like all the viewing areas where it's drawn on the ground, like there's a line, and anything inside that line is chair area. And if you put your chair inside that box, nobody will touch it. You could leave your souvenirs on top of the chair. Nobody will touch it. Like, it, it's, it's the Augusta Code of Honor. So one of the things you do is you go find a place you know you want to watch later, and a lot of times that may be on a later hole that they haven't even got to yet. Set your chair up there, and that's, that's going to be your primary vantage point for the day. Well, we didn't do that. So instead, we're like, we went and walked. We, we went and immediately went to the number two green, stood for like an hour and a half and this is probably what took jimmy out immediately because we wanted to wait for tiger to come through and see him play a hole and sure enough it was awesome right we're standing there it's you know he, he teed off you know an hour hour and a half after we were there so you know by about two hours in here he comes see him make his approach see him walk up you know make his putt see him tee off at the next hole but then as we made our way around seeing the course you know we're walking and walking and walking and the, the grandstands that they have set up fill up pretty quick and, you know, there's a couple of points where you're like, man, it'd be really nice to sit down and just relax for a minute. And it's really hard because the place is insanely crowded. Second day, we were smart. We went right to uh, Amen Corner, set our chairs down in a really good spot, and then we're set for the day. Because anytime we wanted to take a break or have lunch or have a beer, we could just go back to our chairs. That's the way to do it. The, uh, the support staff at Augusta's is indescribable. This is not an exaggeration. In the bathroom, they had a person that was assigned to every stall, like every sit-down stall. And when every person would come out, they would go in and wipe it down and clean it before they would let the next person in the bathroom. Every single time. 
So there was probably between 20 and 30 just staff people working to keep the bathroom clean at all times. Wow. Everywhere you went, there was just there was security guards, um, you know, ushers, whatever you whatever you needed, always accessible. And everybody was as friendly as you could possibly imagine. I mean, it was like being at a, you know, high end resort and it was thank you for coming. What can we do? Answer any questions everywhere. And everybody was nice. And the lines for the bathroom would get pretty long. So they had like a kind of a Disney World style queue. They had a guy standing at the front of the line that would ask master's trivia questions to everybody waiting for the bathroom. And if you got it right, you got to get out of line and go straight into the bathroom. That's so cool. when they got around to Jordan Spieth winning the master's, just pull the rope down for Tommy 2.0 and let him <laughs> saunter on in. <laughs> Do they throw down the rose petals and have someone there to tie your shoes and stuff like that? Or just stall guys kind of, oh boy, <laughs> I should have seen, seen when Jimmy came out of here. <laughs> man, so oh, that's, man. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, so, uh, so pretty, pretty it awesome. Was, uh, it was an amazing experience. We got to see over the course of two days, we got to see everybody at least – uh, we got to see everybody up close. We got to see everybody play a hole or two. Got, there were certain people we just, because of the the way the tee times fell, we got to see a lot more of. Tiger was one of those, which was really cool because there was a giant throng of people that followed him. And you kind of had to stay ahead of them to get a good vantage point. So, you know, we would say, you know, hey, he's going to be here in 30 minutes. Let's get up here. And then sure enough, we were in the perfect spot when he came by. And, and that was really cool. Um, and then we spent – most of the second day because day two jimmy was not doing well so <laughs> day two was about keep get jimmy to the finish line you know it's kind of like after finn balor got his head split open and it was like look we just got to get through this <laughs> we got to hit the spots we had planned and we got to go home that's where we were on day two so we spent a great deal of time in amen corner we'll come to about two or three in the afternoon augusta time which was eastern the, uh, the weather has a pretty dramatic change, and the wind flips around. So it had been hot and not much wind and humid, and all of a sudden the wind gets a lot colder and starts blowing from the north and really starts to blow. And, and in that little area of the course is kind of where the wind swirls. That's why people have so much trouble with that par three, and they're always hitting it long. Well, then all of a sudden, um, ti it's actually ironic, Tiger, this is the second day, Tiger's group is coming up to the tee on number 12, and we see the security guard kind of step up and stop Tiger and they say something to him and his caddy and they kind of turn all the players around and send them walking back the other way and we're of course like incensed because we've got this great vantage point to watch Tiger hit and then about 10 or 15 seconds after that happens the sirens start going off and the PA voice comes on and it's like you need to evacuate the course there's severe weather coming and everybody's like really frustrated because we're looking up in the sky and we're like yeah it's windy the winds changed but there's no lightning it's not raining. It doesn't make it like we can't figure it out. Like it feels really premature to evacuate the course. Well, remember, no phones, no communication with the outside world. So as we're walking out, well, the people that are kind of down in the 17, 18 side of the course, are all, we're all converging in one spot to funnel out the gate. And that's when the rumors start. And it's really funny because, again, nobody to validate any of it. And it's like, hey, did you hear somebody got hurt over on 17? Well, I didn't know. Nobody got hurt, but I heard a tree fell. Well, no, I heard two trees fell down. Well, I heard three trees fell down. <laughs> and it's all the, you know, all the misinformation that's going around in the crowd. So by the time we get to our car, which is like an hour later, because Jimmy had to get his AirPods, and that was a whole ordeal, 
you know, we saw what had happened and saw the video, but when you're on the course, you have no idea because there's no communication, no phones. They're obviously not saying anything. And, uh, and, and if they wanted to, they probably could have covered the whole thing up to the extent that there could be dead people laying all over that place. We would never know about (laughs) what was, what was Jimmy's diet on day two? Did we repeat 48 ounce diet Coke? So here's here's what uh, here's what Jimmy did on day two. So they have this. Uh, they don't have a lot of uh, like the the uh, the food options are relatively limited. So they have pimento cheese, egg salad, and then they have a uh, a club. So we know one person that would be pretty happy uh, <laughs> that we were friends with. It's and true. actually, the club was my go-to sandwich for the for the bulk of the weekend. Uh, and then they had a fried chicken sandwich. Okay. So. We uh, we went in there for breakfast, and they have a breakfast sandwich and a muffin. Well, the breakfast sandwiches had just uh, depleted, so they were waiting on them to be refilled. So I just got a muffin and a banana. I figured we'll start the day healthy. And then I look around back at Jimmy, and he has two fried chicken sandwiches for breakfast. <laughs> wow. Seems like he's going to need to get his will together so he can give his tickets to to someone else and fulfill their dreams pretty soon. But we, uh, we had a, uh, we had an amazing time. We, um, I, uh, the amount of money that I spent in the gift shop included a comma. So that's exciting. That's impressive. But it once in a lifetime, I was also, I was also buying for others as well. So I mean, I've Venmo requests definitely were going out that night. But what's funny again is, People that I knew I was going had texted me over the weeks, you know, hey, get me a shirt, get me a ball, get me a, you know, ball marker. I had written it all down in my notes app, and then I get to the gift shop, and I'm like, I don't have my phone. Right. He was guessing. <laughs> no, so what I actually Apparently, did is we went back. I asked Tommy to get me the mas- <clears throat> Masters tank top, which apparently is not a not a, <laughs> not a thing. <laughs> I only texted. I did go back the. Uh, I did go back the next day with a piece of paper. And oh, okay. And all the, uh, there you go. It's yes. very, 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 very 1992. Very I only the sheer. Oh, sorry. In the uh, sheer brilliance of the masters, they have a FedEx or sorry, a UPS depot right outside the gift shop. So you just walk out, and then they're like, "Hey, let us ship all this stuff back to your house, so you don't have to carry it around for you." Oh, that's for fantastic! Wow. I didn't request any merch. I only texted him to ask Tommy if he was underneath a tree at the moment. Like <laughs> physically, <laughs> a tree is on top of him, and he assured the answer was no. No, but I would have climbed a fence. There's but, no doubt about that. Yeah, I would imagine so. That's I've I've only been to one. I went to the Nelson back in it was like 2001. That's the only golf tournament I've ever been to, and. I mean, I enjoyed it. We hung around for a couple of hours and then got out of there because it was hot. But I, I got to see Tiger play. I think we followed him for two holes in a row, and it was that's on that's on the list of things that you know never going to forget. Yeah, and that's what you're going to have to do with this one is never forget it because that not having your phone is a weird thing because there was so many times I was reaching to get a picture, you know, like oh, you know, holy crap, you know, Rory McIlroy standing right there. But now I want to tell you about the most surreal moment that I would have definitely included a selfie. So late in day one, we find ourselves standing behind the 16th hole, which is a par three over water. Yet again, waiting for Tiger. This will be the fourth encounter we've had with Tiger that day. 
And um, I noticed that standing directly next to me is a man of some size and also a man that probably was pulling for the New Day. And this was not common at uh, Augusta National at all. And I'm very good with it. And then I look over at him and I go, that's CeCe Sabathia. <laughs> oh, wow. So I watched <laughs> Tiger Woods play 16 while exchanging pleasantries with CC Sabathia of the New York Yankees and Cleveland Indians. That's a, is that a future hall of famer? You think he's maybe borderline borderline, but would you wins does he have? uh, And look this up. Would you like to know the Jesse, the usher trio of celebrity run-ins that I had? Because you're, you're, you, you may not even, you may not even believe this. So here's your, uh, here's your three bedroom apartment. C.C. Sabathia, 1990s tennis star Jim Courier, <laughs> and 1990s women's tennis star Mary Jo Fernandez. I only know the name there. Jim Courier, that's a, is that a redheaded yeah. guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. you got it. So yeah. saw him on day two in Amen Corner, and then Mary Jo Fernandez. Oh, and I guess an honorable mention to Roy McElroy's dad, who we actually said hello to because – when we were standing on hole 17 on Thursday, he came up and stood right in between me and Jimmy awkwardly. <laughs> and Jimmy looked at him and he goes, hey, are you Roy McIlroy's dad? And he was like, good day, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to loop back here. CC Sabathia, 251 career wins, 3.7 ERA and a career war of 62.3. That's Hall of Fame. I, That's absolutely hilarious. I think he's getting in. He's in. Yeah. We're putting CC Sabathia in the Hall of Fame. And he's a golf fan, so I he'd get my vote. Yeah. And they let him into Augusta, so it's gotta be so, it's gotta be something. Tommy, did you just stand there silently next to him for a few minutes and then lean over and like So what about this pitch clock bullet? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if these guys only had 20 seconds to hit? <laughs> At least we're still in America. You can hit well, the ball when you want. Patrick, and, uh, whatever is Cantley. Yeah, him and the uh, Texas A&M amateur Sam Bennett. Boy, that was a human penalty kill there, man. Whew. Is there any – I guess when you're there at that at that venue, you're just taking in the surroundings and that keeps you – I guess, entertained, connected. I'm just thinking if you're in one spot or are there some groups that come, you're coming through and you're just like, let's just move this along. I don't need to see this guy hit. I don't. This is doing nothing for me. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty much any time uh, Bernard Langer came through. <laughs> like, we really need to be doing this still. Or uh, Sandy Lyle. Okay, now that's fair. Um, no, honestly, like, I think if you had gone four days, well, I don't know though because there's a cut. The, the the just the whole magnitude of being there, but did it stop me from sizing up that course and being like, yeah, I'm breaking ninety here for sure. Ninety. Oh yeah. I I I really don't. Well, I'm going to be ostracized. I don't get it because the rough is not grown up at all. I mean, it's very playable. There's very few places you could lose a ball other than the water. I mean, there's not like dense trees. Like even the narrow fairways, if you spray it wide right you're just on another hole it's not like you're dropping or taking a penalty 
Yeah, I think I could cut that thing up. Okay. Are there really that many birds chirping at all times, or is that a sound effect they just put on TV? I've been told that's a sound effect they had for TV. I was not aware of that. And in fact, okay. what they didn't show on TV is the drone that was covering the uh, the aerial shots of the course. They must have cheaped out and bought it at Harbor Freight or something because when they would say, <laughs> quiet, please, and Tiger stand over a putt, all you would hear was just, because <laughs> that thing was the loudest drone I've ever heard in my life. And, and it was it was it was pretty big because you know it had a, a one of the you know big HD camera mounted to it so it was you know, pretty substantial, and everywhere you were there was only one I think on the course but everywhere you know Tiger was or there was a there was a you know important piece of action all you could hear was the drone just like the whole time it was insane and they they edited that out almost completely from the TV broadcast. They use those drones to laser the trees and make make them fall on the. Those in attendance, they didn't want to. I think the whole place is just fake. I think it's all made out of props. Right. There's no way there's any place that's that green. There's no. It's like the Truman Show. It's right. like some kind of weird biosphere. There's no bugs. I didn't. The, it's all fake. It's I didn't piece. watch much of the Masters. Was the drone shot? Did it? Did it come in handy? Like when Tiger tees off, did they have the augmented reality huge Tiger putting up the number one, like floating in the air? Like WWE the graf- style. The graphics were like oddly low rent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me if this, now that you've been to Augusta, would this be the ultimate sports event? Augusta, as we've already established, not a whole lot going on around it. So you got the Masters going on. F1 road course around the Masters <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> and, Char- and Charles Leclerc is in a uh, really competitive car that weekend. <laughs> of course. Yeah, they would have to uh, they would have to replace the biosphere because it would be cracked. <laughs> well, that's cool. I'm I'm glad you yeah. got to got to go do that. No, and I appreciate you guys humoring me. Let me talk a little golf this episode. But um, as you can imagine, I don't ever expect to be there again. So I was I was soaking in every moment. Well, you needed to. Uh, once in a lifetime thing, no matter what's going on back at home, abandoning family on very important days, things like that. <laughs> like I said, there's an in, in t- several SEC football teams within very close driving distance. I was not worried about that <laughs> at all. I think that was my favorite part of your of your trip when I realized that that was the case. Well, if we if we really want to pull back the curtain, when Jimmy called me, you know, a few months out, and he said, "Hey, look, I've I've got tickets to the Masters that you know, and, and Thursday and Friday are open. Do you want to go?" And I just immediately said yes. And he said it's April sixth and seventh, and I was like, "Yes, I'm going." And uh, and then I walked right into my wife's uh, where she was, and I said, "Hey." So, do you know how hard it is to get tickets to the Masters? And she was like, no. And I was like, well, let me tell you. So, I explained the story. And she's like, wow, it's pretty impressive. And, like, why are you telling me this? I was like, because I'm going to the Masters on your birthday. <laughs> and she was actually super cool about it. And, you know, the one of the uh, the steak dinner I paid for was very much uh, very much to celebrate and honor her uh, and Jordan Spieth's uh, amazing uh, fourth-round comeback. 
All right. It's good to recover. It's just it's just getting up and down in life. That's all that's all you're doing. So that that actually didn't happen, but Oh. Well, never mind. The the master's tickets come in and Tommy looks over at his little uh you know stitched uh, framed thing that says always date your spouse and he just kind of turns it over face down on the oh, nightstand. <laughs> And this is going to be about golf. Uh, and he, he picks up the frame of Brooks Kepka and <laughs> replaces it. Hey, was was there any uh, live versus PGA controversy among the attendees? Or nobody cares? Not at all, man. Everybody was so on their best behavior. I was actually expecting him to boo Patrick Reed. Nobody did. Right. You know, I mean, maybe he didn't get as big of an ovation as others, but there was, like, you can't, you don't boo, you don't jeer. There was no arguments. Hey, we saw Paulina. Ah. You want an opinion? Not that great, buddy. Okay. Not that great. All right. Speaking of Liv. So she's not getting in the Baseball Hall of Fame, but Cece is. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. She didn't even rank above Mary Jo Fernandez, and you don't even know who that is. There's no way that's true. Mary Jo Fernandez has to be like a thousand now. Yeah, she. You know, she. I think we looked up her age. I think she's like mid to late fifties. Oh yeah. That's that's poor. All right, gentlemen. Well, are we going to get to two hundred episodes this year? This is episode one ninety two. Uh yeah, I mean I think the bigger question is uh are we going to be talking about uh Waco related things here during April and May? I listened back to that bumper car segment when I thought Timothy McVeigh was the guy that started the compound. Yeah. What my finest moment on the show? No, absolutely. I'm glad the people at the Masters didn't hear that. They would have definitely crossed through your name. No, we will get the Showtime add-on put back on, and we will commit to that, absolutely. All right. I don't think, uh, I don't know if we go episode by episode. I think we might do a little little interval here. I think this is a five or six episode uh, little mini-series. Yeah, take it in some manageable chunks. Yeah, I think that's doable. So are we, uh, we going to go to SummerSlam? Are we going to be eating it? Cecil Fielder's restaurant. <laughs> Telling you. It's actually a pretty good pluck. I was trying to think. I was like, man, where are we going to go here? Cecil Fielder's. That'd be pretty good. Yeah. There's there's some there's some good places near Comerica Park. You can enjoy a nice Labatt's beer and uh, a sandwich. No, and uh, if you have a passport, Caesar's Palace is not far. I And I have one. As do I. Oh, Canada. I don't know. I think it's a possibility. This could be something that could be discussed. Because I think that could, could be a... Uh, could be some discussion here. Leave Friday morning, come back Sunday type trip. Not a Very very much like St. Louis. Just find a place downtown somewhere and spend a lot of time there unless we're drinking or at the event. I'm interested. So I'm very interested. All right, so maybe we're back in a couple weeks. Yeah, anything that'll get me out of doing that movie review. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. We need you need to do that. No, that's April and May. 
this is the new Waco show. That's the plan. And you have to do your dong movie in June. And that gets us through half the year. And then we figure it out and after then, that. And then it's all downhill to episode 200. I was going to say you should have watched it in the plane, but the fact that you drove it may have been even better. <laughs> just like you're while your buddy's driving, just yeah. pop it up there. Hey, Jimmy, so look, I can't really chat with you right now. I've got to take notes about the penises. <laughs> 